A few days ago, I came across an excerpt about money in a book of economics, and it's been obsessively swimming in my head ever since. So it said that today's money is intrinsically worthless. You see, modern paper currencies or fiat money in economic terms are not anchored to a tangible asset. And let me explain what that means. The government law decides that a green paper bill is worth one dollar, not some universal rule of the natural world. Grab a golden retriever, for instance, and give them a dollar. They're not gonna thank you and put it in their wallet. So a dollar bill in itself has no real value. And coming from that, it's somewhat ironic to think about the sheer value that money has in our lives. They say money can't buy happiness, but it sure can buy private jets and Lamborghinis and happy meals. So let us revisit the age-old question: Can money really buy happiness, or can it not? In this episode, I attempt to answer this question by exploring the relationship between financial well-being and happiness levels through economic and psychological lenses. Hello, this is Happyology, a series within the Robinson Reviews Crusoe podcast, and I am your host, Sunghee Kim. My goal in life is to be able to be happy myself and help others feel the same way. So in this series, I'll be exploring what exactly about people make them happy. Is it money? Is our brain wired to think in certain ways regarding happiness? What can we learn from the media and literature about happiness? And by the end of the series, I, as an everyday normal person, hope to have a better grasp of happiness so I can help you and myself become happier people. In this very first episode, we'll be delving into one of the most controversial factors of happiness: money. Last year, I took a semester econ class at my school, and one of the very first concepts we learned was the law of diminishing marginal utility. Utility in economics is the amount of satisfaction a consumer gains from a service or a good. And the law of diminishing utility explains how much utility we get from consuming each additional unit of something. For example, let's say you go to a buffet. When you arrive, you are marvelled by the piles and piles of food waiting to be devoured. And generally, I usually have like a half-day fasting before going to a buffet. So let's say that you also starve for like ten hours just for this. At the buffet, you take your first bite of food. Especially after hours of fasting, it tastes wonderful, and you gain a lot of satisfaction or utility from your first bite. Then you take your second bite; it tastes even better than the third, than the fourth. But eventually, you reach a point where you think to yourself, "Hey, I'm getting kind of full." From that point, the satisfaction you get from every Additional bite starts to diminish, hence the name, the law of diminishing marginal utility. When you graph this law, you'll see an initial upward trend, or from a certain point, it'll then slope downwards. So we would assume that the satisfaction you get from every additional increase in money or salary displays the same pattern. Well, in 2010, researchers at Princeton University came to the conclusion that, from zero to seventy-five thousand dollars of annual salary, people reported an increase in happiness. While it did not decrease from the seventy-five thousand dollar threshold like the traditional utility model, it did, however, begin to plateau out, 
meaning that wealth was associated with an increase in happiness up until like $75,000, but it really held no meaning for people with salaries more than that. This research leads to the neat, happy, inspirational conclusion. Money can improve the quality of life to some extent, but it cannot ultimately buy happiness. Even if you're wealthy, no amount of money can compensate for positivity and emotional well-being. Until 2021, when a group of researchers discovered that the graph does not in fact plateau out. Happiness levels continuously increased with annual income without a maximum threshold. So does this deconstruct the inspirational message that wealth does not mean happiness? Well, not exactly. The group of researchers found that while the plateau trend did not apply to most participants, it did for the unhappiest group of participants. The happiness level of people who have an inherently low base level of happiness were people who really weren't that happy to begin with plateaued off after a certain increase in income. Ergo, money does not matter if you are, are an unhappy person in general. This leads to another question. Is there a base level of happiness that we can measure and do people stay at the base level? Apparently, yes, according to a concept called the hedonic treadmill. It's a relatively recent term coined by Philip Brickman and Donald T. Campbell in 1971. The hedonic treadmill described that although there may be spikes in people's levels of happiness, or the so-called highs and lows of life, humans quickly return to a constant base state of happiness. Then, three years later in 1974, Richard Easterlin, a professor of economics at the University of Pennsylvania, expanded the happiness research to entire nations. He theorized that, just like the 2010 researchers found, the happiness of citizens in a country slightly increases at first, but then plateaus out after a certain point. So, over time, wealth has no impact on happiness at a societal level. This phenomenon is also called the Easterlin Paradox. The hedonic treadmill explains this concept succinctly. Because people return to a base level of happiness regardless of spikes in happiness, the small pleasures that wealth can bring cannot permanently pull people up from their base level. What does that mean for us? If there is a base level of happiness, why don't we work to pull that base level up? That way, even if we return to this point after positive or negative events in life, we will be at a higher happiness threshold. The key to that, I think, is employing a basic mindset of positivity. That way, you can experience happiness whether you are in the lowest or the highest 10% of income distribution. Today, we started off with the basic economic concept of diminishing marginal utility. Then we learned how that applies to the relationship between wealth and happiness. This trend can be explained by the hedonic treadmill and can be applied more broadly on a societal scale through the Easterlin paradox. Now back to the notion of positivity. How can we reach a higher base level of happiness? Well, this can be explained by a myriad of social psychology theories, including Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We'll be discussing this concept along with other fascinating insights in our next episode. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today, and this was Sungi Kim from Happyology.